Do you have questions about the unknown that have never been answered? Tired of going to psychics and wishing you could develop your own intuition? Then Messages from the Other Side podcast is the answer. Weekly episodes feature psychic medium Simone Salmon, combining her gifts of storytelling and mediumship to narrate real communications with ghosts or angels and interviews with spiritual truth seekers to get the answers you need. So subscribe on Apple Podcast and Anchor FM or go to www.simonesalmon.com. I'm psychic medium Simone and you're listening to Messages from the Other Side. Welcome to today's episode, part two of my discussion on meditation with David G. Do you have to, now you're saying to do it as soon as you wake up, I guess just to establish some sort of ritual, but is it better to meditate before you eat, after you eat? Like, is there, does it matter? Well, it's, you know, that's a great question because there's so many different schools and preferences. The reason I suggest meditating as soon as you wake up, because right as soon as you wake up, you haven't yet gone online. You haven't seen the news. You haven't received any phone calls. You haven't launched into any type of activity. And your brain is probably in the quietest and calmest moment of all of them. So that's such a powerful thing to do to start your day with stillness and silence. According to Ayurveda, Ayurveda says meditate between 5 and 7 a.m., which is typically when the sun rises up because Ayurveda teaches us to be aligned with nature and aligned with the universe. And Ayurveda says meditate between 5 and 7 at night, and technically that would be when the sun's coming down. So at the start of your day and at the close of your day. Meditating at the start of your day allows you to instill yourself with some stillness and silence. And that allows every moment to be filled with stillness and silence. And meditating at the end of your day allows you to release and let go of some of that stuff that you've absorbed throughout the course of the day. Okay. So, okay. you know, I would suggest, you know, whatever works. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say, no, I have to do my workout first, and then i got to walk the dogs, and then i got to... And here's what I found over the years that person doesn't, won't show up to meditate. Because um, if you say, I'll meditate at 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock never comes. Like, we don't know what time we brush our teeth. We don't know what time we step into the shower every single day. We don't know what time we pee. But we do it in a ritualized fashion. I know that, you know, I get into the shower after I brush my teeth. It's never different. I brush my teeth and get in the shower. I've probably been doing that for 20 years. And so I know it's been ritualized inside me. I don't know what time I do either one of those things, but the second I put down the toothbrush, I get in the shower. And so we all have this autopilot for our morning rituals, and that's probably the easiest one. If we can just say, you know what, before I go to the gym, before I go to yoga class, before I walk the dog, before I do anything, I'll just sit here and meditate for a few minutes. And a lot of people say, oh, no, I can never do that. My dogs have to go out and pee. No, your dogs just have trained you that you need to take them out to pee. They've trained you very well. So uh, I meditate every morning with Peaches the Buddha Princess. She's my companion, L.A. Rescue. Let me do a public service announcement. 
adopt your next friend. Okay, that was it. Uh, and uh, so she, you know, I've trained her that meditation comes before peeing. And so anyone can train their dog, anyone can train their kid, anyone can train their significant or insignificant other. I just know it all can be done. But we make up a lot of, you know, excuses and reasons why. If we had been born meditating before we did everything, we would meditate before we went to the gym. So all these other yeah. activities we've acquired and then ritualized. So I say, try to get it in as early as possible because those who say, well, I like to do it after this and this and this, those people often will lose their meditation practice and then become crisis okay. meditators again. Okay. What happens if you start meditating and you drift off to sleep? Are you still meditating or are you sleeping? Um, well, you are sleeping. But only, only four things can happen when you meditate. You could fall asleep. You could have thoughts. You could experience stillness and silence, whatever that means to you. Or you could have your attention on the object of your attention, your breath or the mantra mm -hmm. or the piece of chocolate, whatever that is. Those are the only four things. So technically, if every time you meditate, you drift off into one of those four things, even for a few mm -hmm. moments here or there, that's signs of a verified meditation. Now, if you fall asleep every time you meditate, you know, what that means is that you've actually managed to slow yourself down and calm yourself down enough so that you could fall asleep. But if you're always falling asleep, it means you're not getting enough rest. So that's really just a, it's a great tip-off. If you're like, oh, you know, when people say, I don't know if I was in stillness or silence or if I was asleep. And I say, well, usually drool is the tip-off in that, you know. So then you find yourself like out cold drooling on yourself. That's that you've fallen asleep. Um, let's put it this way. Wouldn't you rather be, be falling asleep from meditation than falling asleep in the middle of a meeting? You know, or falling asleep in the middle, you know, or really just not being present or paying attention to what your coworker or some or, or your client or, or was saying. So uh, it's not a bad thing, but it's sort of like if you microwave. It's like if you microwave your food every single night. It's not a commentary on microwave, but it means you're really only putting like two minutes of attention on what's going into your body. And so it doesn't not a good or bad, but it's just an it's just an awareness tool. It's like hey. I've microwaved eight days in a row. I think I won't do that anymore. Or I keep falling asleep. I think I'll get a good night's sleep tonight. I think I won't stay online on Facebook till two in the morning. You know, things along those lines. <laughs> okay. Um, what if you are new to meditation? Is it, do you have to sit in the lotus position? Is it, is there like a certain way that you have to be, your posture has to be, or can you just be relaxed sitting in a chair and meditating, or sit on the bed and meditate? I believe that comfort is key. And I've practiced a lot of different types of meditation, and I've spent time in a lot of different schools of meditation. And I have felt that sometimes it can get very constricting with all the rules and musts and shoulds. Yeah. And then I, yes. I most people stop meditating because the rules are too extreme. You know, how many rules could there be for just sitting with your eyes closed? Um, you know, <laughs> we've done it a million times and suddenly there's rules and we're doing it right or wrong. So I say, um, realistically, comfort, 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 comfort. Um, find the most comfortable place. That could be a big, cushy Barca lounger or a lazy boy. Um, you could sit on the floor if you like that. You could sit on a cushion if you like that. 
uh, Peaches and I, you know, we have these two big fat Zafu pillows, and I sit on one, and Peaches curls up right on the little one right next to me. And so that, oh, you know, that seems to work for us. But uh, <laughs> since I believe that you can meditate anywhere, I, I recommend meditate on planes, meditate on buses, meditate at the doctor's office, meditate uh, at, at your desk, meditate any place you can, peel off two minutes here, three minutes there, and suddenly you'll realize, oh, as long as I'm comfortable, I, I keep staying with it. About the beds thing, though, I would suggest, you know, um, we know that beds are really only for two things, you know, sleeping and watching TV. So I would suggest that people, you know, get out of their beds, uh, at least sit on the edge of your bed, but don't lay down while you meditate in bed because we've created such a Pavlovian connection between laying down and sleeping yes. that most likely you will fall back asleep. And if you just sit up on the edge of your bed, then at least in that moment, you know, you're not going to have that same Pavlovian connection. Okay. David G., why is it that meditation somehow opens up more creativity within the person? What, what does it do that um, rejuvenates that part of your brain, that creative part of, you know, the function of your brain to be creative? What is it doing? Well, we have to we have to first understand that most of what we do is conditioned. So we're even our thoughts they're so conditioned because you know we've been practicing and reinforcing and conditioning and conditioning and continuing to condition ourselves in how we think on what possible solutions are about what to fear about the things we want to hold on to. It's a very very interesting um, depth of exploration into those areas. So let's say you and I were sitting at the movies and suddenly there was like someone who came onto the screen and it's like an actor, you know, that we sort of know but we don't know his name and I turn to you and I go, oh, oh, that's, um, what's his name, what's his name, what's his name? And you're like, yeah, 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 I know, he was in that other movie but I can't remember the name of that either. And you know, <laughs> we could probably have that conversation for a half hour and it would get tighter and tighter. We would never figure that guy's name out. But if suddenly you said, listen, I'm going to go get up and get popcorn. And you got up and you went popcorn and suddenly, five minutes later, you came back. You probably come back with that person's name right on the, uh, right, coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. because we don't really have uh, any break in the flow of those 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts. So one is going to lead to the next, which is going to lead to the next. And when it makes a wrong turn, it's just going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And it really ends up in a downward spiral. That's where we're our least creative because we're just coming from a place of total conditioning at that point. So what meditation allows, it introduces that pattern interrupt. It introduces that break in the thoughts. It suddenly stops everything that you had built up for the, for the formation of the next thought. And it accesses and awakens within you the space between the thoughts. Now that space between our thoughts is infinite. That space between our thoughts is divine. That space between our thoughts is where wholeness and all of our creativity comes from. And so when we meditate, it allows us to just have a little break in everything that we were already saying, and that space between the thoughts suddenly allows the next thought to be new, as opposed to conditioned. And so in that moment, that first thought is pure and unconditioned. 
and just put an unconditioned thought into a problem and you've got a solution. Put an unconditioned thought into some aspects of our own heart and you've got some, some amazing manifestation. And so that's really the beauty. You know, meditation isn't given enough credit for the creativity that it sparks. But, you know, you look around, you know, at some of the most amazing people on the planet, whether that's Richard Branson or Oprah or Deepak Chopra or Howard Stern or Rick Rubin or Anthony Kiedis. We can go on and on and on. Dave Stewart. You know, these are meditators, and these are people who have really found the depth of their creativity through their meditation practice. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Yes, yes. So, you know, you don't, even have to, you don't even have to meditate. If you ever find yourself stuck, you're trying to figure something out, you're stuck, you're not sure how to respond to somebody, you're not sure, you know, what's the answer to this or what's the solution to this, even just stepping away, you know, clearing your head, taking a walk, or just going outside and breathing will remove you from everything that you were thinking and allow that next thought to be birthed, which... Who knows where it will lead, you know? The greatest, mm-hmm. the greatest solutions we could ever come up with are going to come from our most unconditioned selves. And, and if we practice the meditation, if, we, if it becomes a part of our lives, like brushing our teeth, the easier it will be to access that space within the thought, between the thoughts, correct? Absolutely. So, you know, Peaches and I meditated this morning. That was about, um, gee, that was about 11 hours ago. And um, for the past 11 hours, all of the things that I was writing and all the conversations that I was, was having and all the, the thoughts that I was thinking, all of those things had just a teeny little piece of stillness and silence, just a teeniest piece of space in them. And that hopefully allowed all of my thoughts, my words, and my actions to just have a little bit more creativity in them. Mm. Got you, got you, got you. Does, does meditation also help you with healing? Is, is it possible to become, um, so I guess, you know, in tune with um, spirit through meditation that you can heal yourself? Is that possible um, at all? Well, well, yes, it's possible, but I wouldn't want to even limit to just, quote, spiritual healing. It's almost boring now. We know that meditation increases your immune system. And we know that if you are in fight flight a lot, if you're a highly reactive person, if you get scared a lot, or you live a very, very anxious life, then you have more cortisol, adrenaline, and glucagon floating through you. And you are suppressing your immune system. You are suppressing your growth and your sex hormones. And realistically, how, how, long, how many years do you think you can suppress your immune system until you get diagnosed with someone? You know, yeah. so, you know, there, there's some aspects of that. So I would, I would absolutely, we know that meditation can actually heal you physiologically. But it does something even deeper. When you meditate, it returns you to a state of homeostasis, of pure balance. And if you're really, really out of balance, physically, emotionally, <clears throat> you know, even in the health realm, then meditating is going to ever so gently drift you back to the middle, drift you, take you back into a balanced state. 
And so when you can really know, I, you know, theoretically, if you really were very, very patient, you could also use meditation as a tool for weight loss because it's going to allow your body to turn back to its normal state. And if assuming that you were all emotional eaters to a certain extent, we could all probably lose just a little bit of weight just by meditating. Wow. So we know, so we know that it can... We'll be right back after the break. To return us to homeostasis, we know that the act can actually heal the body. And you were asking like the most important question, which is how do we heal the soul? And through the practice of meditation, through the practice of heart opening, through the practice of embracing miracles, that's how we shift our life to suddenly realize that we're whole and perfect and pure. So there's nothing new that's been introduced, but there is something that's being awakened, and it's our awareness of that. Beautiful, beautiful. I just want to let you know that uh, Marika from Sydney, Australia, is giving you a shout-out, David G. She says, Namaste, David G. I am part of your sweet sweet spot community. I love everything you send. My teachings have developed extremely well. I hope to get to your your teacher training next year to the U.S. Much love, Marika. So I wanted to let you know that (laughs) from yesterday, I think. I've only got three words for you, and it's Asi, Asi, Asi. And then she's going <laughs> back. Oi, oi, oi. David, do you, I mean, you are, have given me so much to, to really go off and, and just practice because, you know, I, I always, you're, you're right. There are so many rules to meditation, and I think that's one of the things that, kind of prevents me from sticking with a ritual as far as meditating because, you know, I'm like, okay, I have to sit cross-legged or I have to breathe this way because, you know, I thought that you have to breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth. But now you're saying you can breathe out through your nose too. That's fine. Correct? Yes, absolutely. Here's what I would say. It's whatever you're comfortable doing. Right. Take all those rules. You know, like I said, so many people are crisis meditators, so even those with all the rules aren't necessarily even meditating. So I say find comfort, find the thing you love, and go there. Do it. You know, connect to that. And it's in that, it's in that understanding. And I've, you know, I've created these um, eight, step, uh, eight steps to awakening miracles in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first, the very, very first step is meditate. We have to meditate. We have to connect to that stillness and silence. We have to connect to the space between our thoughts, the space between our breaths, the space between our words, because in that space, that's where all the wholeness and healing comes. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, now, now you have me interested. What are the other seven steps to creating a miracle? <clears throat> okay, so number two, remember and embrace the fact that you are a channel, you're a conduit. Everything that comes into you also gets expressed out of you. So as things come in, allow them. And as things go out, let them. Don't constrict on either side. And that will allow you to flow love, compassion, healing, abundance in a much greater, easier flow. Number three, plant intentions every single day and embrace infinite possibilities. 
and you must detach from the outcomes. Just plant those intentions, plant them inside your heart, and let them go. Let the universe work out all the details. Number four, you have to have a daily gratitude practice. Essentially opening your heart and acknowledging how lucky and how fortunate all the amazing gifts that you have in your life are because they're unbelievable. We're not just talking about walking by a rose and smelling it, but in every moment, go, wow, my breath feels so great. I'm being like, is the universe breathing me? Hey, and look at that. It's a bird. Remember how like a little kid walks out of the house and he goes, oh, look, there's a snail. Oh, look, there's a bird. Oh, look, there's a grasshopper. Yes. And every moment is that miracle moment, and we sort of like lose that. Yes, definitely, yes. A while. Uh, Number five, recognize that you are a co-creator of each moment. You know, the Buddha said, all that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we create the world. So we have to know that every single thing around us is perfect, exactly as planned, and we have co-created it as well. All right? That was step number five. Number six, Celebrate synchronicities. There are no such things as meaningless coincidences. So when you notice something is like, that's so improbable, it's no such thing. It's not a coincidence. It's there. We need to recognize it, embrace it, and say, what is the meaning of this coincidence? You know, suddenly you start thinking about your high school, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend, and you get in an elevator, and you're a thousand miles away from where you went to school, and they get into the elevator. This doesn't mean you're supposed to grab them and elope together and run off together. (laughs) It means that there's no meaningless coincidence here. For you to think it and then for it to happen, very, very powerful. And number seven, every decision is a choice between a grievance and a miracle. And if we just realize that in each moment, I can still choose grievance. I can whine and complain and vent and point fingers and judge and stamp my feet. But if I do that conditionally, it's nothing special. If I can take a step back and say, what do I really want to do now? I can either vent or I can say, this is an opportunity. Or what else is coming from this? Or what am I not seeing? Or how can I be a better student of the universe? Or how can I grow in this moment? That's like the most powerful. And number eight, Believe. Believe. Trust in the universe. Trust that you are this divine expression of the infinite. And so you can't really go wrong. So number one is meditate. Number two is remembering that you um, are a channel. A fl- you know, you are all about circulation, flowing love in and out of us. Number three, always plant your intentions and detach from the outcome. Number four, Daily gratitude practice. We have to have that. Number five, recognize that you are a co-creator of each moment. Number six, celebrate those synchronicities. There are no meaningless coincidences. And number seven, every decision is a choice between a grievance and a miracle. If we can just like lay all those out, you know, in every single moment, then we realize that as we move into step eight, just trust, just believe, and let the universe work out all the details. I love your eight steps. They're, they're beautiful. Please. I love them. Well, listen, you inspired them. you inspired them, Simone, so I'm glad you love them. <laughs> <laughs> 
they're wonderful, and I, I, I'm definitely going to put that somewhere important on my website because I really love that. I love the eight steps. It's wonderful, right. and and it, it really, you know, covers every single part of what you need to do to create miracles, and just wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. Well, David G., we are at the close of our conversation. I know you had said you wanted to do another quick uh, meditation exercise with us. Do we have enough time or? Yes, sure, sure. We can, we can learn this technique really quickly. So this okay. is called heart, this is called heart breathing. And essentially what we do is we close our eyes and through our nostrils we slowly breathe in. But instead of just breathing it deep into our lungs, feel that breath come right into your heart. And even touch that space on your breastbone or on your chest where the breath is coming in. And so we can do that. And just as you breathe out, let it flow back out into the universe there. But we'll feel our breath coming into our heart and leaving through our heart. So let's try it right now, just for a few moments here. Close your eyes. Take a long, slow, deep breath in. And let's just let it all go. And now, over foot gently through your nose. Breathe into your heart. Feel it flow in and feel it flow out. And you may notice that you drift away to thoughts or sounds or physical sensations. And when you notice you've drifted away, just come gently back to that space where your breath is flowing into your body, right into your heart. So let's do that for a few moments. Now take a long, slow, deep breath in, and let it go, and when it feels comfortable, you can slowly open your eyes. Now, that was only 30 seconds, but we could do that one for hours. <laughs> and so, everyone has these two tools, 16 seconds to bliss and heart breathing, and you have your breath, no equipment necessary, and so in any moment, you can turn any moment to the present moment. And they're so simple to do and so powerful. That's the part that I'm just so in awe of. It's such a simple thing to do, the way that you just explained both techniques to me. It's very, very simple. Nice. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. Just, what, what did you say? Yum? And what was it? Yum? <laughs> yum? Yum and, and, yum and yuck. Yum and yuck. <laughs> Yeah, that was a yum. <laughs> <laughs> that was a yum. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, we've just connected Thank thousands you. of people. We've just connected thousands of people's hearts from around the world. So, what's more powerful than that? You know, a lot. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. I just wanted to go over your wonderful special offers that you are giving for this summit here because it's practically giveaways, you have a personalized meditation uh, kit that, you know, you can autograph. It's a book and CD. And also the meditation kit that's not uh, autographed. And both are on the site. They're fantastic uh, giveaway offers, just wonderfully priced. And I'm sure people will get a great deal out of both either of them, whichever they decide to choose or if they do both. 
So and thank you. Really that's the real I would encourage people to do. You know, in some way, take a step towards your most divine self, and meditation can be the tool that helps you do it more easily. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, David G. I have learned so much in this conversation, and um, I am truly, truly grateful that you are on the call today to just kind of clear up a lot of questions that I had, and I'm sure a lot of the people on the call, everyone, our, our truth speakers who are on the call who, you know, probably had the same questions. So you, you, you gave us a lot today, and I appreciate you for doing that. Thank you so much. Uh, Simone, thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening in. Do remember to stop by so you can hear next week's episode. I look forward to hearing from you and your voice messages and your emails. Thanks again. This is Psychic Medium Simone, and you've been listening to Messages from the Other Side. Oh, you know, my, oh, you know, my, oh, you know, my.